I remember we were talking on the New Day episode with Cubis because he was like watching as a kid and he yeah. was like in his early 40s and he was talking about like some wrestler that had bird or something and I don't know he was just like please know like anytime you see an animal in old wrestling that animal had the worst life ever like <laughs> no what I told myself is that snakes aren't emotional I what I thought about <laughs> snakes aren't emotional is a very good point what I thought about was the Britney Spears slave for you VMA performance wow <laughs> I can't I'm you know I really like this role reversal because if you like if you put out a questionnaire of like guess who thought this everyone would go to me but it was you and you're right yeah and like I remember people being like they had to sedate the snake yeah that. you can see her struggling with it yeah it's probably really fucking heavy like jesus christ it's, it helps that she was like the most jacked she was super jacked she's yeah. pretty jacked now but like in her heyday jacked jacked yeah she was like cut like, yeah crazy jacked but like i remember they said they had to uh sedate the snake and so i was just thinking about like jake the snake's drugged snake in that bag for like the whole match <laughs> Hello and welcome to WrestleSplania, the podcast where I, Kath Barbadoro, a wrestling fan, introduce the world of professional wrestling to my friend Rachel Millman. Hey. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, I was skiing this weekend. I'm back and I'm still sore, um, but it was really fun. It was worth it. I feel like since you time. became a gym rat, though, you're like less sore. It's true. Like I, we went pretty hard. Like my dad is is in for a 63 year old man in very good shape. Uh, and he like, that's his favorite thing to do is like is ski. So we went like first chair to last chair, like all day, nice. two, two days in a row, which the second day is what fucked you up. Probably. Yeah. I was like fine after the first day and the second day, like the worse the conditions are, the more physically taxing it is to ski. Do you, have you ever skied? I skied once. I mostly snowboarded because I'm me. Sweet. <laughs> did you, but did you snowboard a lot? Uh, I did a little bit in high school. Yeah. I feel like. In the Northeast, like skiing, it's really fun. I like it, but uh, the conditions, it's often like icy and stuff. Oh, yeah. Just because especially now, because like things are just bitter cold and there's no actual snow. It's well, it was snowing up north, yeah. but like the second day, the conditions were bad. And so it was just like you have to just like engage your core a lot more and like squat more. And yeah, and, like and yeah. So anyway, this is a long way to say that uh, I'm sore still. <laughs> I'm sorry you're sore. It's OK. It was fun. It was yeah. worth it. You know, Plus, my dad likes skiing so much. He paid for my lift tickets and stuff. So it was like, great. Cause it's cool. so fucking expensive to go skiing. I know <laughs> the main reason I got to go snowboarding as a high schooler is because they had like a, they basically just did job fairs at mm -hmm. my high school. And then we're like, we'll give you six bucks an hour, but you get to ski with the board for free. And everyone was like, sure. To I'm, work at the, the yeah, mountain? I'm 15. I'm going to work at Wyndham for five bucks an hour. Nice. Board for free. I'd take that job. Yeah. It was a great job for a high schooler. My school, um, I, I, and I was talking to my dad about this because, like, I have no idea how they got away with this. They do in the winter, and apparently they still do it in New Hampshire public schools, a, a half day, one day a week in the winter, and you can do ski lessons. And it's, like, this little mountain near where I grew up, and they have, like, a deal with the school, so it's, like, cheap. And you go and you ski yeah. once a week, which is awesome. But like kids were fucking breaking bones like all the time. That's yep. why like, I don't understand how this is allowed. They sort of allowed that at my high school, too. Even if you didn't work for Wyndham, because it was always at Wyndham. Wyndham, sometimes it was Hunter Mountain. Mm -hmm. um, they would give kids like deeply discount. Uh, you would be part of like, I forget if it was like night, night school or something yeah, like, like night that. Yeah, like night skiing. Night mm -hmm. skiing. And you would have like the night passes. So you would just take the bus up from the high school. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. And I I would always come home just like this walking bruise and my parents would be horrified. That's I just, why I never I snowboarded. Just, I just fell down the mountain. That seems to be like how you learn to snowboard is you just fall a lot and it seems really hard. It's really, it's, you get really good thigh workouts. Yeah. You have to lean the whole time. <laughs> All winter sports are based in your thighs. It's true. When I went to community college, I, um, one of the bullshit classes I took and I loved, I loved taking bullshit classes. Fuck but one yeah. of the ones I took was um uh figure skating it is all nice. thigh based <laughs> we should probably introduce this episode yeah right? speaking of ex-wives the person we're covering today has a lot of them uh but it doesn't factor in his character <laughs> no he's a total sweetheart and he seems like a sweetheart in real life too guys we're doing a ricky steamboat episode ricky today. steamboat honk honk, honk, that's, honk. that's what i should have done fuck uh, that would have been a wonderful segue but i didn't think about it either it's fine uh but yeah i'm i'm excited to do this episode um 
because we wanted to do this episode after Tim Faust, who, by the way, has a book about healthcare coming out in August. You should buy it. He'll um, probably be a third time guest. You definitely. <laughs> He's delightful. Yeah. Um, but he came on and did a, a Macho Man episode and we watched Macho Man versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3 and we both loved it. We both, I feel like we both had like a pointing at the screen of like, I want to do an episode about him. Yeah. yeah. Just sort of instantly loved him. Um, oh that And that match is amazing. I mean, we're not going to talk about it here because we already talked about it on that episode. Um, but it was wonderful and it made us fall in love with him. And then uh, with the help of obviously producer LB. Hi, uh, LB. Thank you, LB. Picked some stuff to watch of his uh, today and I'm really excited about it. It was a, it was all a lot of fun. Yeah. That's like what I because there I mean fun is you know kind of a big tent word sure uh but it was there every single element of it was fun but not in a way of like look at this guy's wow it was not the same sort of fun that Randy Savage is always fun I just I don't know the best way to articulate it but it was all just like really good like I could do an entire hour on a nine minute match we watched yeah I think like the thing that I got really caught up in in all of these matches is the crowd and watching the crowd and listening to the crowd react to what's going on. And we talked about this on a, a previously recorded episode. I don't know if, if it'll be out, but um, just that like occasionally, even if a match is good, you don't always have this feeling. And I had this feeling a lot when I was watching these of like, man, it would have been really fun to be there. Yeah. And uh the the wrestling is like a lot more simple than a lot of the stuff we watch today but you can just sort of feel the electricity in in that audience and to me like that is what makes good wrestling is all about the crowd reaction and i think that the fact that we both instantly connected with this wrestler speaks to his ability to get a, a crowd reaction yeah and just like transcend cameras and stuff yeah and like kind of just from his in-ring work which i think is a really special gift and i think that like that is the thing that sets wrestling apart from other like expressive forms of media is like it is there's promos and stuff and there's ways to do ways to get your character over that don't it don't directly relate to what you do in ring but to me like ricky steamboat is like it is purely what he does in the ring yeah this was not a promo heavy episode at all no and he i don't think i watched a few and like he's not super strong on promos like i thought about and i wrote down um that thing that mean gene said in the andre documentary about andre of uh he spoke in other ways and like that is really what i got from these matches yeah and the way it comes across in the andre doc is like being slightly shady yeah which is kind of funny but it's not it's not in a shady context here no not it's at all it's just that like he, his work spoke for itself yeah and uh i'm i'm excited to talk about him this is also interesting because i think this is some of the earliest stuff we've watched i think so too and it's definitely maybe the kevin nash wizard of oz thing <laughs> that's true <laughs> but it's definitely like the a person whose career stretches the furthest back where yeah um, like and and we're going to talk primarily about um, matches that happened in the mid to late 80s because we want to make sure that we're watching stuff that's accessible for people listening to watch. So, um, you know, one of these is on YouTube. One of these is on the network. But his career really started in the territory days, like pre WWF, pre even WCW. Like he was working for NWA, which is the like oldest organized wrestling uh, promotion or federation of promotions in I think wrestling history at least that's still around um and that's like where he started and so if you want like more information about that um another episode I'd recommend is the one we did with Aubrey Sitterson who wrote the comic book history of professional wrestling where we talked a little bit about like the territory days and stuff um but yeah so that's like kind of where he comes from um he was trained by Vern Gagne who's like and the Iron Sheik and the Iron Sheik um <laughs> who like you know those are like old timers like yeah. Gagne is like a very important figure in the history of territory wrestling i was gonna say it's amazing that the iron sheik is still alive but that's not actually amazing because that's sad yeah <laughs> i can't remember was it you i was talking about this with about like when he dies do you think the people he pays to run his twitter account are just gonna keep doing it i think so yeah it's a bummer right <laughs> yeah i mean yeah like i would say jake Fogelnest did the right thing when with his prince tweets to you account where he like wrote mm. from it and was like essentially broke the kayfabe and was like 
I'm not going to continue to do this for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the people running the Iron Sheik's Twitter account do not have a sense of that. I feel like, again, like, if you're if you're a true carny, if the Iron Sheik is a true carny, he'll get it. He'll be like, yeah, keep tweeting as me. I mean, fine. he doesn't get anything that's happening <laughs> that's right true. now. That's it's, true. You know, the saddest truth of it all. <laughs> uh, but Ricky Steamboat appears to understand everything that's happening around him still, which is a rare kind ending yeah he seems like he's doing great yeah um, we'll we'll definitely talk about his his current stuff but uh the first thing we watched was uh him versus jake the snake roberts in wwf in 1986 at like saturday night something or other it was a saturday night main event i think okay um because i remembered i like it just the the acronym made sense to me and Tim told us about it on the Randy Savage episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, when they didn't have a, like a, a sports game or something, they yeah. did a special pay-per-view. Yeah, so, and I kind of in the spirit of the Randy Savage episode, watching this match inspired me for a future episode. Like, I want to do a Jake the Snake episode now. This match, <laughs> it fucking rules. It's nine minutes long and it's like a really good like kind of no nonsense wrestling match and then the end is it has so the silly most nonsense yeah at this it's if i think i have a new standard of like show me why wrestling is good it's this yeah i think that you could definitely convert people with this it's so funny though because so we watched this on youtube it's available on youtube the whole thing is free like go make somebody watch it right now but i always anytime we watch something on youtube i look at the comments of course and like it's just like and this is every YouTube comment on everything, but it's just so funny because people are just like, classic wrestling man, like, you know, back in the day, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you Peter would be really mad. There's definitely some of those. <laughs> but it was like, you know, it was just sort of like nostalgia for this era of wrestling. Like, man, things used to be so great or whatever. And it's like, if they did the finish to this match at something today, those exact people would be so mad about it. They would be. F- those are the exact people who are mad at Braun and Nicholas, which right. is... A spiritual successor to the ending of this match. It's 100% like Jim Cornette's, uh, who, like, Ricky Simo probably worked with. He worked in, like, Jim Crockett promotions. He, like, worked in all those places. But, yeah, it's, like, the people who hate fun but like wrestling. And it's, like, the end of this is the most fun, stupid shit. So do you want to explain what happens? So I'm going to set up from the beginning, actually, because okay. we, uh, we, get, we get a little mean gene in this, which is always nice. Oh, my God. And he's so good, as always, like... <laughs> He's just the fucking best. So Jake the Snake makes him do the like opening promo interview, whatever you want to call it, in the shower, which is already funny that Mean Gene is like, he made me come in here. It's uh, so funny. <laughs> Jake the Snake is such a good promo. Like, and then he's awesome. Jake the Snake is holding his snake and like using his snake as a microphone. <laughs> it ass. It's so funny. <laughs> and like, yeah, you know, the people who are like, PETA have a problem. I don't like to agree with PETA. Peter probably would have a point. Yeah, no, I don't 100% agree. <laughs> so the match itself, I want to say that like the match could suck and everything about this would be insanely entertaining. And the match itself is really good. An right. excellent match happens. And then they keep like, you know, check offing the bags and like Ricky has a bag and Jake has a bag. And like, like they keep they, they kind of do a good fake out in that Jake they cut he keeps like gesturing towards the bag and then he finally gets the bag yeah at one point he kicks it and it moves and everyone's like (gasps) you know what it is his name is the snake (laughs) um but then at the end earlier in the show in the promo and but then ricky steamboat pulls out a fucking gator (laughs) and they're like he has a dragon yeah they call it a dragon so funny it's rules um and then he's like so like jake the snake at this point i feel like he's you know he knows how to handle a snake Sure. Ricky Steamboat is in way more danger. I don't care if it's a small alligator. It's a fucking alligator. It's an alligator and he just sort of like waves it around. Like snakes can't really hear you. Like (laughs) I feel like I'm not I'm not an Irwin. I'm pretty sure alligators can hear shit. And it was probably freaking the fuck out. Really loud. (laughs) Super bright lights. Like it's being gestured at a snake and a huge man. (laughs) Like it's By a weird, another huge man. It's a really weird situation. I will say that he clearly like was told where to grip it. Totally. And does not let go of those two spots. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not a full size gator. But it's it little, but still, it's big enough. No, it's like you see baby gators that you could hold with your hand. And like, I'm going to say that this is a two hand gator. Yes, I would. <laughs> I would say that this is a two hander. Yes. <laughs> but I'm. Uh, 
this match opens with Jake the Snake's entrance, and there was a line on promo that I wrote down exactly, and it was, dragons and snakes traditionally have never gotten along, so this should be no different. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> I rewound it, and I made Nate listen to it, because I was I, crying laughing. I really like the commentary on this. Yeah. Um, it's it's, it's Vince McMahon and uh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, yeah. And it's great. It's, it's so fun. In it, their element. Yeah, it completely adds to the match. And again, like... It ends really silly, but like there is some good wrestling and there's particularly, I think, some really good selling uh, by Steamboat. And the thing I wrote down here is that um, his selling reminds me a lot of Sami Zayn. Ooh. And I think that like Sami Zayn is somebody who has that like baby face energy that Ricky Steamboat has where like even if you don't hear him talk or anything, like you just know you're supposed to be rooting for him. Which is weird because he's a heel. Yeah, and I don't think he's like that great as a heel. Like I think he works a lot better as a babyface. Uh, hey, Kevin, it's the police. <laughs> I've been looking at that clip a bunch this week. <laughs> but like when when Sammy is a babyface, like he just he's his selling is is really similar to me, and like he just is really good at that, like fighting from below, like being the being the smaller man, like yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, and yeah, I don't I don't like really buy Sami Zayn as a heel. Like I just think he works way better as a face. And even when he is a heel, I'm rooting for him. Like Yeah, he's a fun heel. He's a fun he's like annoying, which is like <laughs> a quality I identify I with. I just so, feel like, represented. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I can't be like too mad at him. Like he doesn't really do anything bad. He's yeah. just annoying. Yeah. Speaking of that like babyface energy stuff, like uh I think it's really interesting that like Ricky Steamboat had a very long career and he never ever worked heel the whole time. He's the babyface babyface. Yeah, like pure white meat when people talk about like a classic babyface, like this is who they're talking about. And uh <clears throat> related to that, uh his real name is Richard Blood. Dick Blood. <laughs> Dick Blood. His name is Dick Blood <laughs> and they changed it to Ricky Steamboat, which is like very funny cuz like Dick Blood kind of a sweet wrestling name. <laughs> I mean, maybe you change the first name so that people can't call you Dick Blood, but like Blood, awesome. But they were like, nope, Richard Blood is a heel name. And Dick you... Steamboat is also very good. <laughs> Dick Steamboat is pretty Dick sweet. Dick Steamboat sounds like a fun Republican. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he quit Reagan right... Be- no, I'm sorry, not Reagan. He quit the Nixon thing right before shit went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dick Steamboat. He's like, <laughs> he's like corrupt, but really charming. And you're like, I, I, I kind of like that guy. Like, I wouldn't vote for him. Like, he should probably be in jail, but like... I like, I like him. You know, he has fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. And that's imagining... sort of Ric Flair's energy. Yeah. yeah. D- Dick Steamboat could be Ric Flair's wrestling name if he wasn't Ric Flair. Like, Dick Steamboat is totally him. Um, but yeah, so like, I-, I bring this up because, so apparently his name is Ricky Steamboat because they named him after a Hawaiian wrestler named Sammy Steamboat, who um, his trainers thought he resembled, that he like looked kind of like him. Which is, you know, for wrestling, which is racist, but for wrestling, like not very high on the level of racism you can do. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we'll talk about that a little because it it's interesting the way that his race sort of plays into his character and doesn't play into his character. So he is, he's half Japanese. Um, he's Japanese and English. Um, and he in WWF is given from he's Ricky Steamboat first, which is like he's billed from Hawaii. So, yeah. they, you know, it's it's sort of there are overtures to him being Hawaiian, but it doesn't seem to really factor into the gimmick particularly. Yeah. But then he gets to WWF and he's Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and he's given this sort of Bruce Lee gimmick and he comes out in sort of martial arts inspired gear. Yeah. Um, he has the headband. And it's clearly, you know, because he's like an Asian dude. Yeah. But it, at this time in WWF, it's like, it's very not racist and it's very non-racialized. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely say like making a Japanese guy play someone of Hawaiian descent. Like it is fucked up. Sure. Yeah. I but mean, again, like I'm on not- the level of things that happen in wrestling in general right. and happen in that era it's mostly like you're just pleasant like you, my response is like wow this could have been a lot worse yeah like <laughs> which is not good we watched it, we, <laughs> a, a match we watched later includes the line about a different wrestling person quote the evil man from the orient yeah. so like it, yeah i'm not i'm not saying that it is not done super racistly to absolve anyone of uh anything of anything but like it's just interesting when you think about 
uh, a person of color working in wrestling at this time, they are often not cast as this white meat babyface guy. And this ultimate family man. Yeah, yeah. And that comes up later, too. Um, but, like, he's clearly the good guy here. I mean, he's fighting a guy who tries to stick a snake on him. Like, <laughs> after he wins. Like, it's so... It's just so, uh, you know, he's he's clearly the one you're supposed to root for. And the audience is rooting for him, like, the whole time. Absolutely. I just, I love, I'm so glad that this was my first exposure to Jake the Snake. <laughs> oh, my God. Jake the Snake used to, when I lived in Austin, he was, like, always at this really shitty comedy club in Houston doing, like, one-man shows. And, and he, his... We don't need to get into it now. His life has been dark from literal jump. Yeah, yeah. So he's a troubled man. Oh. <laughs> is he is he alive still? I think he's, he's alive. He's alive. I think he's alive. I think he's like doing better now if he's alive. <laughs> I think he went to like WWE appointed rehab. Yeah, he might be one of those guys that um fuck what's his name diamond diamond dallas page yeah the guy who does the yoga yeah he like apparently is like a sobriety counselor for wrestlers and like helps like rehab people he's the betty ford of wrestlers kind of yeah wow yeah so he i think jake the snake might be a diamond dallas page like charge but i i might don't quote me on that okay i won't um, <laughs> this match could suck and everything about it would be entertaining. And totally. I would still be like, what the fuck? There's a fucking gator. <laughs> and the match is, it's, it's got everything. It it's has good. Everything. It's got a man wearing white, which we have uh, said before. is Long lauded. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very brave. Um, and also Jake the Snake's gear is fucking sweet because there's snakes going up the side of it. And it looks <sighs> awesome. He's so cool. Yeah. He's great. He's so cool. I love him <laughs> like gesturing. Imagine like having to deal with him, that guy backstage once he's done like a line. <laughs> you want to see my snake? No. <laughs> yeah, this was like, I, and this isn't coming out. This episode isn't coming out for a while, so this will be old news by the time it comes out. But uh, on the day we're recording this, people are talking about how uh, allegedly uh, WWE wrestler Alicia Fox showed up to a house show drunk, and uh, yeah. people are like upset about it. Which, like, granted, yes, that is very irresponsible. But like, I was thinking about it while I was watching this, and I was like, I don't think anyone ever wrestled sober before like 1995 like Jake the Snake was like for sure fucked up all the time former guest to the show made a really good point of like she's been with this company since she was like 18 this is the least amount of trouble that somebody in trouble is in yeah 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 and like it's not good but for it's sure. just like are we it's, surprised? Yeah. Like you, she's been like on the total undercard like hasn't been booked well has been working for them forever look We've all gone to work drunk before, all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's just not a waitress. And, like, I get that it's a problem. For sure. Yeah. But but anyway, I was just thinking about that when I was watching this, because it was like, this is the era where everybody is fucked up. Yeah. Again, except for perfect, pure babyface angel Ricky Steamboat, who has never touched uh, a substance in his life, as far as I'm concerned. Dick's blood is sober. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about him on commentary in a lot of these matches as, like, a very serious, focused athlete. Like, he has that kind of... I feel like there. that's also a little bit of, like, look at this Bruce Lee, like... Yeah, he totally. He has the mysticism, and it's like, no, he's just a buff guy. He's, uh, yeah, he's and he's... He is like really good at wrestling. Like he's really good. I feel like he did minimal steroids. Yeah, he looks good. He's beefy, but he's not like gross. Yeah, uh, and he clearly is like you know he's little. He's like by the wrestling standards. Yeah, he is smaller than all of his opponents. He's definitely not little, but yeah, like, he is smaller than the people he is wrestling. So the next thing we watch, the next two things we watch were both WCW. So again, speaking to how lovely we assume Ricky Steamboat is. He uh, apparently was fired from WWF for asking for time off. Is that right? It was. He got in trouble with Vince, according to the notes that Albie gave us, because he wanted to hang out with his pregnant wife and soon to be child. Yeah. He like basically asked for paternity leave. And Vince McMahon was like, fuck you. Oh, Vince. <laughs> really? So he ends up in WCW. Uh, fighting for uh, familiar territory, the NWA yeah. title, which again, like that's where he worked before yeah. the WWF and was like a big, a big star there. And when he was working in the territories, he had a very long uh, storied feud with Ric Flair, who um, this is the first Ric Flair thing we're watching for this match or for this episode. This is the first Ric Flair match we're watching. And uh, this is like a wonderful uh, introduction to him because like, they're such perfect foils for each other. Truly. And yeah. so we watch, I just want to say what we watch real quick. Yeah. So it was the, uh, 
Chi Town Rumble uh, from 1989, February 1989, which I believe was their first match against each other in this section of their rivalry so yeah. like when he came back to wcw they were like great you guys had this wonderful rivalry in the territories people haven't seen it on television yet you have wonderful chemistry like let's run a program together so i think this was our first one and uh it was great i really love the way announcers sort of package rick flair's like whole thing like when he enters with a billion lady they're like billion ladies they're always like how is he not tired and like <laughs> the rick flair gimmick as far as commentary sells you is that guy fucks. That's it. That's <laughs> the whole thing. And it's so funny. Um, but the so there's good promo packages like leading up to this, too, where like he tries to bully him in ring. And like it made me realize that Ric Flair is Joe Bluth because they yeah. commentary is screaming about how uh, Ricky Steamboat is ripping up his fifteen hundred dollars silk suit, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is really funny. And I also really liked that it's sort of this inverse of like you know when you make a usually conservative guy so mad online he takes his shirt off yeah i miss 2014 too <laughs> uh but it's a good inverse because he gets so mad he makes the other guy get naked yeah which is funny <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah no joe bluth is like a great uh comparison i i because he's like you know this arrogant heel i come feel on like i could totally see joe bluth doing the woo thing like i feel like i could see joe bluth being like Ooh, at the I end can of see Ric Flair being a magician. <laughs> Absolutely. He already looks like one. <laughs> Next to the tan and everything, the teeth. So like, I, I, I'm sure someone will explain this to me, but I know Ric Flair's nickname is the Nature Boy. And I know that there was a previous wrestler who was the Nature Boy and Ric Flair kind of adopted the gimmick. But what I don't understand is, and I, okay. And I also know that Nature Boy is a song. But what I don't understand is why that is what he is called because he is the most unnatural looking human being I have ever seen. It's natural to fuck that many ladies. <laughs> That's my immediate he's, theory. He's it's a, probably wrong. He's, it's a bi he's a biological impulse. That's what it's referring it's to. Imperative, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, he's like he is the deep brown tan, <laughs> white bleach blonde hair. He looks like huge a horse. white teeth. He looks like a horse. Yeah. I but guess not maybe, in Tanahashi way. Maybe that's why he's a nature boy because he looks like a horse. Yeah, but like he's not. He's not like a. He's not like a hot horse. No, <laughs> no. He's like <laughs> Tanahashi has like the energy yeah. of a horse. He's like majestic and like no. Tanahashi is like a sexy Budweiser horse. <laughs> We've been over. He's this. like sleek. He's you know? a hot, we've been over it. He's a hot horse. I feel like I feel like <laughs> Tanahashi is more like like black beauty or something whereas rick flair is a budweiser horse because he's like a he's big and he like clomps around and he has huge teeth and he like makes weird noises oh i love i <laughs> once a year i get to see the budweiser horses in person and they're beautiful and huge <laughs> where do you see the, the big e oh at the new england at expo? the new england expo that it, nate and i go to <laughs> we eat the, like our body weight and seafood they and bring then the budweiser horses the budweiser that? horses are there and you can see their weights and like usually <laughs> you can see one of them peeing and you're like whoa yeah <laughs> hell yeah that's what you wait for it's like going to Old Faithful at Yellowstone. <laughs> Pretty much. Just waiting for the Budweiser horse to the pee. The thing is, is that all of the geysers have a lot of, like a regular horse peeing is like an event. Yeah. <laughs> but those Budweiser horses. Uh, and a small tangent, I went to a wedding once and it was a like traditional uh, Indian wedding with a with a white husband. Uh, and uh, they had to, because part of the, the wedding was that like he was a god for the day coming to her village to like make her a bride. Mm -hmm. And like, watching a terrified white groom on a horse going how do i steer this thing while a horse pees in the <laughs> on a golf course is one of the funniest things i've ever seen of like am i gonna be okay and that the bride ass. just going you took lessons <laughs> across a parking lot that's really, really good really good that i love love uh, another <laughs> another um thing we watched i watched by accident and then rachel watched a little bit of it because i thought it was the one we were talking about for the show and then it turned out not to be was uh their match at, at wrestle war a few months after the chiton rumble one and ricky steamboat enters with a horse it's so good it's like studio 54 like coke dreams it's a white horse with a baby with a tiny a, guitar <laughs> there's a baby dressed as a cowboy on top of it which rules because it was in nashville yeah yeah it was in nashville they call the baby the rhinestone cowboy 
Um, he comes out with his wife. His he's hot like, wife. Super hot wife. Super big hair. Full of rhinestone. She looks like she looks like Dolly Parton. Like it's awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, again, solidifying this thing as like he's a family man. Um, he does it all for his family, which I think is always a very funny thing to say about a wrestler because it's like, go get a job for this state if yeah. you want to do everything for your yeah. family. Yeah, get them get them some health insurance. <laughs> like, get them some benefits. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's beautiful kayfabe, right? Totally. But it's just like the second you're like, hey, why? No, it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. But to go back to the Chai Town Rumble, um. The big one of the biggest things for me is like people love to complain about Moro. Not on this show, but like Moro is very Moro. Yeah, Moro Ronaldo, the NXT yeah. announcer who gets like very into stuff. But like I think about the people who don't like Moro and I wanna like challenge them to like listen to this because it's like Moro who? Yeah. The entire commentary for this match is goddamn wild. And they're like, Ricky Steamboat here for every working class person in America. And it's so good. It's great. I love it. And like, you know, we, commentary is always very important, but I feel like the commentary is imperative for this match. Yeah. um, And I think that that like, it just kind of speaks to, the purpose of commentary and how I think it's changed a little bit in WWE. Yeah. Where I feel like now it's, it's simultaneously more and less like sports commentary in WWE. Cause like it has sort of like the, the form of sports commentary where it sounds like sports commentary. Like if you watch baseball or or football or something like the way that they speak sounds like that but they also like don't call moves anymore like (laughs) they they'll like say they'll tell you when somebody's doing a finisher or something but i feel like the focus is not on calling moves as much which like to me is like half the purpose of it and being able to both call moves and do color at the same time and have the color like serve the story that's the other thing is i feel like wwe commentary they'll be talking during the match and they'll be talking even about the match, but it won't be serving a cohesive story the way that commentary on the old stuff we watched it. Especially this one. Like it, the story would still be there, but it's just, it's so enhanced Mm -hmm. I feel. And I'm sure, I'm sure you noticed that too, Absolutely. but it was just like, like, you know, just the full setup of like the way they set up the class politics of it, I thought was really interesting of like, what what does Ric Flair's dad do? Like a, he's like he's the modern. His dad is like basically a dermatologist or something like that. Yeah, he's which a by the way, if you're a dermatologist, don't let your son tan that much. That's no, his dad isn't actually a dermatologist <laughs> for sure. But like he's like dermatologist money. Yeah, I think he's a physician or something it's like, like that. It's definitely like rich, arrogant, cocky guy versus humble, hardworking, honest guy. Which again, I feel like is interesting that. Ricky Steamboat is half Japanese and he is cast as humble, hardworking American, which is something that was when like when they started him off with a Bruce Lee gimmick. Right. Which is which is like something that like humble, hardworking American is an archetype that is like classically, historically in the US attributed to white men. So when you have a character, like a person who is not a hundred percent white, doing a character that is very like explicitly classed as Asian and he's representing the working man like that's very cool and i think very unusual for wrestling i think it's that he like his he's so handsome that right. it transcends for sure i mean and it, it also helps that he's half white for sure it's completely yeah again i'm not saying this to say that uh wrestling is absolved <laughs> yeah or that anybody is being transgressive here like, yeah i i don't think that like them casting him this way is like a, a super like progressive move on their part because it's it's all about like you know money and how he looks and everything like that but it is interesting for this time period yeah it's not what i would have expected exactly um but yeah i mean he like how could you not have him be that way because he is he's so cute and he's like in crazy good shape and he radiates that like good energy. honest boy energy yeah. <laughs> it's really and they, they they do good close-ups on his wife and stuff yeah um and they also sort of temper rick flair's whole thing of like because he ripped the 1500 silk suit off of him he doesn't bring the ladies to the ring right <laughs> he, he keeps them backstage and they're all gonna fuck later right uh, <laughs> for sure i'm just kind of like everyone loves him but then 
he wins the match. And then another interesting thing happens, which is that like they have the entire locker room spray him with champagne. Yeah. And they like underlined that like everyone loves this guy. Yeah. This guy is like beloved by the locker room. And that's why like I think the turns that happen with his character in another match that we watched after this kind of prevent him from going heel because totally of like because normally it's like okay like brian daniel bryan is our baby face baby faces and he's a heel right now yeah but and he's like a wonderful heel right now oh he's so good <laughs> we love it buy kath a hemp belt please hash we're doing a hashtag please don't actually those are really expensive just i need that money just send me that money but i do want one <laughs> If you get one for free, send it to me. Yeah, no, please. Uh, it's it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. We should try to find you a knockoff during Mania. Yeah, I bet we can. I bet we can get like a shitty one, pretty cheap, and I'll be really happy. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, you were saying Daniel uh, Bryan. Uh, but just like because normally, like then they have to turn and be an asshole. But the way they do it with Ricky Steamboat is that he doesn't turn. It's that everyone's mad at him for being too good at it yeah and he's but he's good in an earnest way it it also kind of reminds me of the way that tanahashi works heel when tanahashi does is more of a heel because like i i don't think tanahashi has ever been like full full heel but he does the same sort of stuff where it's like he will do resort to heelish tactics if people like we watched a match with him and i i can't remember it was naito or nakamura but he it was for the show and like he gets mad because the belt is being disrespected and he starts like, I feel like it was knock. It, I think it was, which like the belt being disrespected makes me think it was Naito, but I think it was Nakamura, but like the fact, so it's like you're doing kind of underhanded stuff, but it's like, because the honor of wrestling is at in, stake. in service of your baby face, like intention and heart. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It's just the, the locker room really loving him really put it down and he's like, clearly like actually a little overwhelmed by it which is cute it's really cute yeah um yeah the the end of this is really triumphant and beautiful um i when watching this i i couldn't help but think about how influential i think this was because like there are moments in this where i'm like i have seen that oh yeah like so many times like knocked out ref well yeah absolutely yeah but like the stuff that i feel like they were doing and again, like I haven't watched a ton of wrestling from this time period, but like those chop battles that they have are like iconic. Yeah. And now every match has a chop battle. Um, that and I juice his whole thing. And I like them. Like yeah. I like I like chop battles. I think they're awesome. But like it's just done so well here. And I get why everybody was like, we got to do those because like the way that when Ric Flair chops Ricky Steamboat, he like arcs backwards in this like beautiful backbend and it's like so dramatic and so cool and they just like really make all of them matter and like their reactions to being chopped and then chopping are all like performed really well it's not just like I hit you you hit me I hit you you hit me like it really you feel the impact because of how they're selling and I think that's like really cool um another thing that I noticed in this again because I haven't watched a lot of Ric Flair is he does um that flip onto the turnbuckle and then he like jumps off and runs across the apron when he's getting like if he's getting like irish whipped into the turnbuckle or something he'll do like a front flip onto the top of it which the only other person i have seen do that is greg so shout out to greg shout out to greg (laughs) we did it you did it (laughs) but i was like oh yeah greg definitely just like took that from rick flair and like good for you that's what wrestling is like you just you just take things from people that you think are cool but uh yeah it looks really cool it's it looks super cool and the way Greg doesn't do this, but the way Ric Flair does it, where he he does that front flip and then he like immediately jumps on the apron and runs across. And uh, he did it in in the Triton Rumble match, and then he does it again in the Wrestle War match. But this time, because they've had matches before, Ricky Steamboat scouts him and clotheslines him off the apron. Yeah, which is like that's such a cool progression of the of this story. And these two people just clearly have so much chemistry with each other. Um, and they clearly like. I mean, it's easy to say this when they, you're in a long-time rivalry, but since I found uh, Ricky Steamboat's Twitter, they clearly actually do, like, love each other. Yeah. I mean, this is, like, they together created a rivalry that is pointed to as, like, one of the best rivalries yeah. of the time. 
And what I really like about this, too, is that, you know, there's a lot of ways for a baby face to be a baby face. We talked about it on the Tanahashi episode of, like, the ways you have to be in peril. But Mm -hmm. I don't think he's in peril the way Tana is in peril. Mm -hmm. He, you know, like, he's, he's down, like, he's against the ropes or whatever. But, like, he's never, he's never in, he's in noble pain. Yeah, totally. Which I think is just like an interesting spin on it. That's the other thing is like he's just so beautiful to watch. Like he has, he's so smooth. He is so smooth. He has the coolest drop kick. His arm drags are amazing. Like I have never those arm drags are incredible. Like I could just watch him and Ric Flair just like do chops and arm drags and that's it. And I would be like so happy. Like it's so good. (laughs) He's like the thing I wrote down too is that he has like a physical awareness of his opponent's body in a way that reminds me of like Zack Sabre Jr. Not that his wrestling style is the same, but just that like that anatomical awareness of like when I'm watching these matches, he steamboat is always exactly where he should be, which he never has to move to get into position. He never has to do anything that looks clumsy to like grab a limb or, um, you know, hook in a submission or anything like that. He's always exactly where he needs to be, which is, I think a unbelievable talent in wrestling. Like I, if you watch enough wrestling, like you see that they have to kind of position themselves. And he just seems to organically know, like have this sort of intuition about, about where to be. And like saying it's an intuition probably, uh, under, under appreciates the amount of skill it takes to be this good at wrestling. Yeah. It's just something I noticed, especially with these Ric Flair matches. And, uh, it's like really impressive even 30, 40 years later, you know, I really like the heel detail in Rick where he like uses the ropes to make his like submission holds tighter. Yeah. That's a fun heel element that you don't see that much now of just kind of like using, using everything you have to your advantage to try and get your other guy to tap. Um, yeah, he's just like such a good heel. Like he, those yeah. little details are right. There's an amazing, uh, point, like pretty close to the end of the match where, uh, Ric Flair just says, shut up to the crowd. Yeah. And people are, it looks like they are not even thinking about it. It's like a, a, a reflexive response. People are on their feet, flipping him off. Like a whole section of the crowd just stands up and that's, is flipping them off. That's a nega Nick Gage energy. Yeah exactly just like (laughs) it's like people don't know what they're doing and they just like have to it's like i don't know watching these matches like i think because it's in a point in wrestling history where like there aren't chants and uh there's no asshole screaming what yeah (laughs) and like a lot of these especially the nwa wcw matches we watch they're in really small venues and Which like is smart, you want a packed out venue. It's, I mean, it's like it looks like a perfect place to watch wrestling. Yeah, like, but I, I just was like really interested in watching the crowd, and I think because of this, I get a sense that like the crowd reaction, it's like it's not intentional, it's not performative, it's just like it's coming out of them because of what they're watching. Which I think is like again peak wrestling. Like that's what you want to achieve, and. You know, this match is, like, by modern standards, like, pretty slow. There's not a lot of, like, super crazy moves in it. But the crowd is reacting in that way. And so it's, like, yeah, this is, like, an amazing match. You know what I mean? There's something about the crowd reaction, too, that makes me kind of understand why people now assume that those crowds thought wrestling was real. Yeah. That is a really good point. The way they're reacting, if if you don't know better, like... You can't call it a disingenuous reaction. It is a genuine reaction. Yeah. And I can see how someone who doesn't understand this weird thing would be like, they're reacting genuinely because they genuinely think this is all happening. fucking rules. Yeah. But it's like, (laughs) no, but it is happening. Like, yeah, it's planned. It's fake, whatever. But like, it's happening. It's amazing. (laughs) Like, it has been engineered to get people to have that response. Of course they're having that response. Shut up. Fuck yeah. 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 So good. Yeah. That's just like a really good point. Like, I can totally see people thinking these crowds are gullible instead of these crowds are having so much fun. <laughs> no, th- that was the thing that I got. Cause it's just like, there was like a tight shot of him, like putting somebody into an arm bar or something like that, or he was doing like some sort of hold with an arm. And it's like, I could see myself believing this. Yeah. And that's what you want is Completely. that you want to be able to believe. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
that that's actually something I wrote down uh, about our third match that we watched, um, which was against another favorite who we haven't had a focus on yet, but I will say is coming eventually. Totally. Uh, yeah, this is him versus Terry Funk. Terry Funk in uh, in <laughs> I, I believe eighty nine again, uh, WCW, and uh, it's awesome. Terry Funk is awesome. He's, he's such a fun bag of shit. In he's, this. <laughs> yeah, he's just like an old brawler piece of shit, <laughs> and he's like so good at that. He's just he's big asshole and <laughs> it's a wonderful counterpoint to Ricky Steamboat again like focused serious athlete like uh you know like just trying to just trying to like get his arm drags in and stuff and Terry Funk's like fuck no I'm just gonna hit you because I big. want to know if Ricky Steamboat ever got a Wheaties box I know they reserve those for like <laughs> real athletes but like he deserves it he deserves one you're absolutely right <laughs> it would just look right you know right <laughs> thank you like I I, it's been at least 20 years since I ate Wheaties but like if you show me a Ricky Steamboat Wheaties box especially now because I'm a wrestling nightmare I would be like (laughs) yeah absolutely I'd buy that on eBay are you kidding me (laughs) kick ass but yeah this 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 final match is a lot of fun what I really like about it is that we always go back we go back to this on this show and just in like generally talking about this of like you can lose yourself in these larger than life people and these like real superheroes. And then you remember that like no one fucking watches this. And even (laughs) the heyday of wrestling, this match is essentially the check spot on the card of this broadcast because (laughs) the intro is not being like, Oh, these men, these incredible opponents, Gene, uh, mean Gene here. It's (laughs) keep it tuned for Charlie Bronson and death wish too. After this, I also also wrote that down (laughs) that there's an ad for death wish Two after after network television. So, I mean, this is like Turner broadcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's it's, yeah. Sinclair media or whatever. Or, Turner Turner Media um but yeah like it's and and this is like I think in the smallest venue of any of them like yeah it's in like it looks like it's in a high school gym you know it's in their full sale yeah it's in their full (laughs) sale and it's like it looks perfect like I want to watch wrestling there it looks so good there are dudes in the audience that just don't have shirts on like it kicks (laughs) ass it's so good I love that's another (laughs) thing I love about watching these older matches is like the goobery people in the audience who aren't <laughs> aware of the cameras in the way that audiences are aware of cameras totally, now. Totally. I forgot to bring it up on the Ric Flair match, but after the Ric Flair match ends and Ricky Steamboat wins, there's a guy in a striped turtleneck holding a small belt that I fucking loved. <laughs> and he is behind the most shithead of shithead kids in an oversized jacket. And they work, they just these two people were meant to be there yeah. in time. It's it, wonderful. Yeah. Like their image needed to be fixed onto film because it just like, it's too important to lose. And the, <laughs> but the thing is, is that like, they just happened to be the assholes where the camera was waving at it. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're beautiful to look at. It's also interesting um, to look at the crowds here just because they're, they're, they're all very white. Um, but gender wise, they're more diverse than I thought they would be. And they're yeah. age wise, more diverse than I thought they would be. Like, there's a lot of old ladies in the crowd here. God. And, uh, I think that's like really cool. <laughs> like that's yeah, awesome. that, rules. that rules. Uh, and they seem to really like Ricky Steamboat, which like, I'm sure old ladies love Ricky old Steamboat. Old ladies have good taste. Yeah. And like, <laughs> he's a little cutie pie. He's a little hunk. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, Terry Funk is sort of like nearing the end of his career here. I think he's like older and he still is, looks like he's in pretty good shape, but it's Oh, like, I thought he was like in mid his career and I was like, wow, Terry Funk has always looked old. <laughs> no, I think this I is feel like, bad. <laughs> I mean, he's had a, he had a long career. I yeah. think he did wrestle for a while after this, but like he had already, I think been wrestling for like 20 years at this point. Damn. So like, he's like this old, like I said, just an old asshole and he's wrestling <laughs> this like, and again, like uh, Ricky Steamboat isn't super young here too, but he's just cast, I think, as this like bright-eyed, like you know, bushy-tailed forty-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> They're hitting each other really hard, um, which is cool. Again, when you think of wrestling from this time, you think of stuff that looks really fakey, and like this doesn't. A lot no. of stuff in this doesn't look fakey at all. It looks like it hurts like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think wrestling Terry Funk probably was very painful. Oh, I personally, I would not. Maybe now. I feel like I think he's dead now. It, oh, oops. <laughs> I'd wrestle him now that he's dead. 
No. We no. need to somebody needs to make a super cut of all the times we've referenced someone and then asked if they were dead. <laughs> Is he canceled? I'm not sure. That's the other one. Yeah. Is he canceled? Let's well, I mean, see. we should always assume that they're Terry all Terry Funk is alive. Terry Funk is alive. <laughs> yeah, I'll wrestle you, dude. I noticed Terry that, Funk though, come on like, the show. Ricky Steamboat um cuz I was, you know, looking up stuff about him for this episode and it gives you like the Google suggested and like half of them were like is Ricky Steamboat dead? Which is like really sad. Like, no, he's still going. He did like, I mean, you assume that everyone from this era is dead. For sure. That's a thing. they're so racist, they're famous about it. <laughs> yeah, no in between. No in between. That's the thing. He just kind of, we'll, we'll get to it after we talk, this ma- talk about this match, like him leaving wrestling. But uh, yeah, he's still going. Still doing good. Looks great. Looks great. He's 62. Just tur- had a birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, his birthday was March 1st. This, this recording is March 4th. So happy birthday, Ricky Steamboat. Um, sorry you had to fight Terry Funk. It looked really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked really good, but it looked like it hurt a lot. Yeah. Which is the point. This match ends with uh, Terry Funk getting disqualified. Yeah, he uh, he hits him with a microphone. And disqualifies <laughs> Which is him. a fun thing to hit somebody with. It's good. I mean, I think like he's not like you said like he's not a super ostentatious sufferer like some baby faces are yeah but like i don't know i always like watching somebody so pure of heart just like get so much shit i like the way he pushes out of the pins in this match is that like he puffs his cheeks out yeah i'm just like oh i'm sick of this yeah <laughs> like he's exhausted and the way he suff- he suffers the most in this match not just physically but like the storytelling has him suffer the most because he's hanging off the ropes at the end is like can't yeah he's selling is like i don't know where i am yeah and then lex luger comes out and like beats the shit out of him more yeah because he's mad because uh i believe if i heard the commentary correctly he is mad that ricky steamboat ranked higher than him on like the pwi list <laughs> that rules i'm pretty sure <laughs> that sounds right that that's it is that like ricky steamboat was number one and lex luger is like Fuck you! <laughs> Which is a great meta storytelling totally. that I enjoy a lot. That's like that's the the kind of the cool thing about that list that like it still exists today. Um, they release it every year. It's like a top five hundred wrestlers. A couple guests have been on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's it's interesting because it's a kayfabe list, so they can use it in stuff like that because it is based on kayfabe. Yeah, it's not it's it's not really based on who the best wrestlers are. It's based on like achievements, quote unquote. I mean, obviously it's like some of those, some of it's, it's subjective and it, you know, they, whoever votes it, whatever votes people who are technically good at wrestling, but it's sort of purpose and it's, it's history. It has existed for so long. It existed before there was like a robust, critical industry of wrestling out of kayfabe yeah i always wondered that because the first time i like heard about it i was like why are they counting wins and losses like what i thought yeah. this was like a critical ranking and then i <laughs> you know had to yeah. put it together and so like it's kind of this weird like like piece of history that's still around like it, it doesn't and you have to like pay to access the whole thing because it's it's been around for so long that it's carny shit well i think <laughs> it's like i think it's one of those things that like wrestlers or not all wrestlers but like some wrestlers still really like pay attention to and hold dear because they remember it from like when they were kids and they were fans but yeah it's just like a weird holdover from like another era so it's it's cool that they did like a storyline about it because like the fact that it is in kayfabe means it's like you know it's in bounds it's like you're allowed to to kind of reference it in a way that like maybe you wouldn't about other stuff although now people are referencing like dave Meltzer in in kayfabe which is like please stop doing that that's weird i don't like it don't inflate him (laughs) it's very strange it's one thing if you're like winky nudgy the young bucks and you name a move after him like that's fine but like I don't know, like Kenny was doing promos about it and other people do it about like bragging about your match ratings and stuff. And it's like, you're supposed to want to (laughs) win. Like you're not, (laughs) you're not supposed to want to like get a good review. (laughs) Like that's not the goal of, yeah. I mean, it is the goal, but it's not, you're not supposed to act like that's the goal. I feel like that's a summation of a lot of people's problem with Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to want to win, dude. You're not supposed to be making all these faces. Stop it with the epics. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Sorry, Kenny. We still want to have you on. (laughs) I think he's great. He's like one of the best wrestlers. He just like. I'm glad he's taking a break. Yeah. 
He deserves it. We got we he was a little overexposed, I think, for a while, and yeah. we'll be happy to see him back. It's sort of like when Ariana Grande will eventually take a break. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all I'm asking, Kenny, bring back the chainsaw arms. Um, did you ever see the chainsaw arms? I think so. I assume so. They kicked ass. They ruled. He pretended his arm was a chainsaw and he would rev it up. Yeah. And then, and then rub it across his opponent's face and it ruled. And I, I want it back. <laughs> That's my only request. We should really get back to Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. Uh, so Ricky Steamboat now or sort of from this sort of era to now, uh, he retired like in the mid 90s. Um he he came back to WWF after working in WCW and having these like amazing matches with Ric Flair and he never really like got pushed to be like a main eventer. Yeah. Um they basically repackaged him as like a different wrestler. Like they kind of stopped referencing this like storied career that he had, which is very strange. Like they called him the Dragon and they didn't call him Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It was it was just the Dragon and he like breathed fire and he like he was a dragon man. <laughs> Yeah. And so what I thought was it one other thing that's been fun about this is that the first time I heard him was on that fabled uh, cassette tape of Tim Faust's of all the Randy Savage promos. Mm-hmm. So when you say Ricky Steamboat to me, I literally was thinking of a steamboat captain, <laughs> <laughs> like some white guy in a hat. So it's, it's a it's, weird name. It's a weird name. Yeah. Dick blood. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, they just like kind of they didn't draw on any of this history, which is, I guess, like speaking to sort of the pettiness of vince mcmahon at that time and still now but like especially about people going to wcw and like having careers and stuff like whatever vince. yeah so it, it's kind of strange um he didn't really i think he only ever held like one title in wwf like d- didn't didn't do that much bullshit um, bullshit he did fun fact when he came back to wwf and he was like sort of stagnating with this character he did want to work as a heel and he asked if he could and they said no and his idea which i think probably would have been pretty cool is he wanted to work as a masked wrestler, as a heel, and then reveal that it was him. That's such good story. It would have been really cool. Like, I think that would have been a really awesome moment. So, like, I'm glad that he, you know, has this, like, baby face of baby faces, but, like, that's such good story, and that's such good instinct. I wish they'd let him do it. Yeah, and I think it, again, speaks to, like, that he wanted, like, he wanted a challenge. Like, he wanted to do something different. I mean, granted, it was because his character was kind of stagnating, but, like, I think that's really after working as a baby face for so long. I think that's like really impressive as like, you know, a, I'm going to say artist, but you know how people are about calling wrestlers artists. But like as a creative person to want to push yourself in yeah. that way and push your performance, I think is like very admirable. And I'm sad they didn't let him do it. Yeah. One of the uh, other things that we have for like extra credit on the notes on this is a match he had with Chris Jericho in 2009. And it made me just like Jericho. The fact that Jericho, I have a feeling was like, let me do this match. Yeah. And it was at backlash and the crowd is so excited for Ricky Steamboat. Aww. They are like overjoyed at him. And he's definitely like a little slower because he's an old man and he's yeah. been punishing his body his whole life. So th- he retired because of an injury. He had a back injury. Yeah. So he was, he, when he came back in 2009 like i don't think he'd wrestled at least on tv and probably at least 10 years probably more like 15 he's wearing the same pants in this that he's wearing in the jake the snake match the green ones uh or the, the white ones no oh no i'm sorry not that match i apologize that he's wearing i think in one of the rick flair matches they're yellow with like the green detailing mm. he's wearing those in the ring which is like very lovely um and then he he taps out to chris jericho oh <laughs> i mean he's really old. sad but they make <laughs> him look really good he does some stuff off the top term buckle which is like you're old yeah don't do that that rules i mean he was in his early 50s at that point so like good for you dude yeah um so apparently he was working as a trainer in nxt at that time and he was um Ah. training people via getting in the ring with them like that he'd have like 20 minute practice matches with like nxt people which can you imagine like you a wrestling fan you get to nxt and you're like okay i get to have a 20 minute match with ricky steamboat to like learn the secrets of ricky steamboat and the thing is, is that like knowing what we know generally as like consumers of this medium of like what nxt training can be like that must have been like such a pleasant right comparatively pleasant time <laughs> yeah um, well, also, his son was in developmental at this time. And uh, I guess I guess it wasn't NXT at that time. It was probably FCW. But he was working in developmental. And uh, his son, who wrestled under the name Richie Steamboat. Um, <laughs> I really like the, the again, 
not the actual gimmick, but it's like Richie Rich bought a boat. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Ricky Steamboat had two sons who wrestled. The other one was Vic Steamboat, and I don't think he ever really went anywhere. That's um, a good name, though. Vic Steamboat. Vic Steamboat. Good. Yeah, because he can be the son that turns on him and wants to be like Ric Flair. It's like built in. The other day, someone posted, replied to something I wrote on Twitter uh, from the WrestleSplaining account and posted a picture of an FC old FCW roster and it had the funniest names on it and my favorite one that I can't stop thinking about is Rick Victor <laughs> like, that's like have you ever seen so um, funny the I think it was Leon who mocked up that like vine meetup poster <laughs> and of like Curbs Lurb yeah <laughs> Curbs Lurb and Rick Victor <laughs> there are like there are a bunch of really good ones on it uh, but yeah Rick Victor just like really made me laugh I can't remember who it was he was like a super jack black guy named Rick Victor it's <laughs> like awesome um but yeah, so Richie Steamboat is in developmental at this time. And apparently, like, I wasn't watching then. Um, I I heard that, like, he had, like, a pretty promising, like, career. Like, I think he was yeah, one of the, the first. legacy built in. I'm sure your dad taught, taught you some good stuff. Yeah, and I think he was, like, really good. And then he his career was cut short by an injury, which is, like, so sad. And both of Ricky Steamboat's sons um, were injured and, and had to retire, just like a huge bummer like your dad is ricky steamboat and like richie steamboat you were so good and uh your dad can still wrestle and you can't like that sucks no i know that's really heartbreaking it's really sad they have good therapists yeah me too (laughs) but yeah um so apparently uh he was like ricky steamboat was like sort of working for the company then um but yeah he sort of just like phased out of wrestling which is i think why people think he must be dead because like he's it seems like it's really hard for people to like not spend the rest of their life involved in wrestling in some way because that's like all they do no he's just in florida with his fourth wife yeah and they being seem, adorable being adorable he like popped up at an uh, aiw show like a few months ago and god i would have gone yeah uh shout out to aiw they're uh delightful um but yeah like he's like he's around and he seems like he's having a great time and i'm glad he is like injury free and doesn't seem too brain damaged yeah i'm sure although he did forget his twitter password so yeah i did this when (laughs) i was like basically i was like before i go into like you know an hour of praising him let me see if he's openly racist uh (laughs) and i googled him and i found a verified twitter account that didn't have that many tweets on it and hadn't tweeted since about 2016. And then I clicked on another one and it was like, oh, Ricky Steamboat forgot the password to his Twitter account and just made a new one. (laughs) And it's really cute. It's just him and Ric Flair and their wives clearly having chilled white wine and the photos are all taken on an Android where somebody has not wiped off the lens. (laughs) And it is... Like, I know people are going to be like, hey, by the way, Ric Flair, racist. Like, I know. Yeah. I know. But there is a certain charm and like, look at these old friends who managed to stay alive. Totally. Been through a lot of shit. Been through a lot of shit. One of them is obviously more of a carny than the other. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, make a bold statement and say that Ric Flair is more of a carny than Ricky Steamboat. I mean, he's more of a carny than most people. So. Yeah. But... He like just like those hanging out together of like here with my dear friend Rick and it's really cute. He's like sending people photos because uh, I think I assume it's like a football team or something like that of like an orange T-shirt that he's wearing. That's like a pizza logo. <laughs> he's an he's a sweet old man. He's cute. He like posted a picture of his cat asleep on one of his title belts. Like he's he seems like a sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and he's in Florida, of course. Yeah. And like, you know. I didn't scan the faves too far because I don't want to find, you know, the one that makes Please me... Please don't just, like... We know we, we probably voted wrong. Yeah, like, do we need to cancel Ricky Steamboat? Like, can we no. just pretend that he's fine? Like, he's... There, he's we're not going to change. probably apolitical, <laughs> and I love it. Thank I just you. Want, I just want, like, I want the kayfabe to be real enough that we can pretend that Ricky Steamboat is a good man, even if he might not be. Like, I just want to believe. I, I want to believe. I think it's still real to me, damn it. He's a better man than any of them, <laughs> even if, like, some factors in there, you know? Uh, he just seems like a good dude. He seems like a good dude. Uh, this was a really fun episode. We love you, Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat, come on the show. Ricky Steamboat, be my This grandpa. is one of the few episodes that I would be willing to tweet at the wrestler. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm just like, you're adorable, and you still are. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah, so uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, if you enjoyed this episode and would like 
more content, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleSplania, um, where we post pretty extensive episode guides um, for every episode. Again, written uh, primarily by co-producer LB Hunk Tears, who does a wonderful job with those. Um, we also have uh, bonus episodes. We do at least two full bonus episodes a month for patrons, sometimes more. We have match commentaries on there. Um, and if you pledge, you get to join our wonderful Discord, um, all about wrestling. It's a lovely place to talk about pro wrestling and watch it's stuff. It's the best place to talk about pro wrestling on the internet, I'm, I would I, say. I totally agree. I know it's a bold claim, but like it's delightful. So check that out. Um, you can find other podcasts that I do um, at What a Time to Be Alive, which is uh, the only podcast that counts down the things that make you say the title of the podcast. <laughs> and uh, that has a Patreon as well. And I also do a podcast called Lie, Cheat, and Steal, which is about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. Um, so look for those on iTunes or Spotify or any of those things. Okay, so... If you enjoyed listening to this episode and you think I'd like to hang out with those, those girls and watch them maybe watch wrestling the weekend of WrestleMania, who knows what we're going to be watching? We will be watching wrestling. We will Legally not say... speaking, we are not saying we're going to be watching, but Sunday, April 7th, the day of WrestleMania, we are hang- we are having a party at Queens Brewery. You can get tickets uh, on Eventbrite uh, for $5. We're going to be hanging out. They have cheap beers there all day. Yep. Starts at 5 p.m. You can bring your dog. Bring your dog. You can bring food. The Street Fight guys are going to be there. Yep. Street Fight Radio, Brent and Brian are going to be helping us out on commentary. We're going to have some uh, wrestler guests. It's going to be a really good I time. I cannot confirm a dog guest, but I have a line on one. Yes. <laughs> there will probably be at least one dog there. There will probably be an official announcement about that dog at some point. We're going to do our best. Um, <laughs> and also, if you are interested in Pennsylvania vote voting rights and gerrymandering reform my dad and i made a documentary about those topics called line in the street and you can stream it or download it at lineinthestreet.com cool thanks everybody bye see you next time